Caroline Green. Oh, I screwed that up already. <laughs> it's no, good. We'll we're leave, we're we'll keeping it real. We'll, we'll leave that for the bumper. <laughs> That's right. It's awesome. So, Carolyn. No, Caroline. Caroline Green. See? You're right. It, See? It Told messes you. with your head. Yeah, it's the Ean. I think it's the Ean. Carol- you know, in Carol- Green. Caroline Green. Caroline Green. Perfect. See, I have to say it slowly. <laughs> No worries, we got time, we got an hour. Right, 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 right. Okay, here we go. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it Thank going? You so much. Oh, it's going great, Jeff. Thank you for having me. All right. So we're already off to a nice start. Um, I think you get my show. I think you're gonna we're gonna have a good time and be sarcastic and silly and laugh. Oh, I love sarcasm. It comes <laughs> <laughs> and to me that makes a good show. Yeah. There you go. So, so you, you're familiar with the, um, the, the format here. So we'll talk a little bit about what you've got going on. So you are a lawyer, a coach, and an entrepreneur. Wow. Yes. That's, that's like three full-time jobs. So I know, good right? for you, right? <laughs> um, and your URL, or one of them, is coveryourassetsonline.com. And yes. that's where you have your do-it-yourself kit. So people don't have to have so many billable hours, right? Right. Talk a little bit about it. Okay. So (laughs) uh, it's called the Do-It-Yourself Legal Toolkit. And I created it because I never wanted to be one of those fancy schmancy lawyers who sat at a corner office and counted billable hours. I... But I didn't know how I would translate that into um, something that would, you know, like what else that would be. And someone once said to me, um, you just have to figure out another way to be a lawyer. And I was like, what does that mean? How do I do that? (laughs) And so long story short, I realized that one thing I could do as a lawyer was to create a program so that people didn't have to hire a lawyer. They could save all kinds of money. And so I created this do-it-yourself legal toolkit that that allows online entrepreneurs to do so much of the legal legwork themselves so that they don't have to go out and hire a lawyer, at least not right away. There are some things like, you know, registering a trademark. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. You're going to need to, to um, consult with a lawyer eventually, but especially when you're just starting out and you want to get those legal documents up on your website or a client services agreement, it's all in this toolkit and it saves a ton of money in legal fees. Wow. Well, that sounds yeah. cool. Ah. I, I like it. And I, and I kind of, you know, there's a couple of attorneys where I work now, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're on staff, so I don't think they get billable hours anymore. So I think they just have a salary and then they're there. And there's other people that get billable hours. (laughs) And they're there. (laughs) Right. And they're there. And they're there. They're there. there. Well, they're doing what they do. I have no clue what they, you know, they review things and say, no, 
no, no, no, no, definitely not. I, I definitely don't do that. If you want to do that, we have to talk way more. <laughs> How bad do you want to do that? Uh, so that's cool. But let's go back in time now and talk about uh, the once upon a time, there was a little girl named Lynn. So where did you grow up? I grew up just outside of Toronto and uh, yeah, that, I'm from from Canada. We moved to the States. I'm from New England right now okay, and okay. we've been here. My husband's job brought us here. We've been here for about 20 years. I absolutely love it here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I was a little girl growing up just outside of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Right. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. so what were, what sort of kid were you? Um, okay. So when I was 11 years old, 11, all right. <laughs> I was 11. Yeah. And, and this is true. When I was 11, I, I, I don't know what I was watching on television, but it was, it, I think it was some comedy show or some really cool show. And I wrote to our local television station and asked them if they would hire me so I could be on that show, not understanding how TV shows are made, and it was probably made in Hollywood or who knows what, right. but I asked them if I could be on that show, that I would be a great asset to that show. When and you were 11. Okay. Yeah, I was 11. And <laughs> I thought, <laughs> this is I great. Thought would, I thought it would be that easy. So sure. you know, they wrote me back, and they said, they were just so gracious and kind and they encouraged me to pursue it and they weren't in a position to just put me on that show. But, you know, I'm sure I have that letter somewhere. I should dig that up because they could have simply not even answered Ignored uh, my it. Right. letter right. or they could have shot me right down. But they were, I just remember that they were very encouraging. And so I eventually went into television in my early 20s. I was a news reporter wow. and ultimately a news anchor in Toronto. Wow. And uh, yeah. So that's so, a whole nother life. So that was a whole other life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was my first career. My first. Yeah, that was life number one. Life number one. That's how that started. Wow. So <laughs> now when you were, let's back up again to the little girl that got the letter back. Were you just so encouraged that that sort of like that became a veer that led you to become the tv anchor did you then decide that i'm gonna i'm gonna do broadcast journalism in school and in college and and learn how to be a reporter how what talk about how that happened from how did it shape your decisions from that point from 11 well, to i got a job and i'm now I'm, now i'm an anchor right well <laughs> When I first got that letter, I remember it was like in a fancy envelope. It had sort of the logo of the television station that I recognized immediately. And then when I opened the letter and I was sure there, you know, there would only be two words <laughs> on the page. You're yeah, hired. Right. Oh, you're hired. Okay. Good. You're hired. Right? That's right. Um, so I opened it up and it was very fancy and official looking. And I thought, um, and then I read it and I, my heart didn't sink at all. It was like, oh okay, I need to do some more things to, to sort yeah. of get into um, get into television. I, you know, there was this thing about, I'm not sure exactly what television represented, but for me, I'm sure it was like a way that I could express myself and maybe make other people think or laugh or, or whatever it was back then. I, I cannot be clear, but I think ultimately what it became for me was a way for me to 
um, yeah, it was a creative outlet for me. And so journalism seemed to be the the way to get into, I, I wasn't going to be an actress or anything like that. I had no desire to do that. So okay. I, I applied for a job that was, um, well, I don't know, like an hour out of Toronto. It was a radio job. And I decided to bring, oh, they wanted a tape. And I, so I brought up a, an audition tape. And as I got there, I got lost and I ended up at the TV station instead of the radio station because I just followed the tower. I like I didn't know where it was, but I saw this great big tower. This is so true. I believe. And it. I thought, okay, I'm here. It's a TV station. This is the wrong place, but I'm going in anyway because I'm here. And I went in right. and I asked for the news director, and they came out and saw me, and they offered me a job on weekends doing the weather. Wow. That's how I got started. Oh my goodness. That's an okay. amazing story. Jeez. Isn't it? You but got here, lost going to a radio station. I did, but listen to this. So when when they when this news director, and she was amazing, and she said, Do you think you could do the weather on the weekends? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, no problem. And then she said, Come back next week, we'll do an audition because I think you'll be perfect. You've got the job, but let's just make it official. Let's do the audition. And I did the audition and I was so horrible. I was so yeah. bad. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. Right. And so now she's trying to figure out how to unhire me. Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I done? And so she said, I'm going to let you try it again next week, but I want you to really do your homework. And, get, and I, I mean, that was like the best thing because I went full throttle into understanding everything about TV and meteorology, and in one week you have no idea what I accomplished, Jeff. And I did I, the. I believe it. Yeah, you I were you were, you watched a lot of TV news <laughs> and weather and weather. Right? Wow. And um, so, so you I learn how at, to stand and point and point to like right. a green screen, <laughs> right? And, and how to and how to look over there and like pretend like you can see it. Wow. And give the web, yeah, so I did it. And and that that was sort of, that started me down that path. And so I think one thing I do have and I've always had going for me is sort of a boldness to try new things and mm. not worry about what might happen. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I was just thinking about this myself, that this it seems like it's like this random sort of, it might be woo-woo. You know, you could say that too. Yeah. But it could also just be because I have this weirdness too that what what I, what I like to lovingly refer to as awkward public fearlessness. <laughs> Ooh, I <laughs> right? like that. You know, and it gets us in trouble sometimes, right? <laughs> I don't I don't know if it gets you in trouble, but it gets me in trouble a lot. Where it's al <laughs> it's almost like I have this sort of like dial on me, right? Yeah. And and it goes all the way up to 11. And and in, then the next switch is infinity, right? But yes. I have to dial it down for like working in banks or around lawyers and, you know, a lot. Down uh -huh. to like around two where, you know, you don't make any jokes and you kind of like tamp everything down, oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that for me, I don't know what it was like for you, but when I was a kid and they say that this has something to do with where you were in your family. So I was like the youngest of three. And there's this, there's a bunch of literature about how that kid becomes the attention sort of seeking personality. Mm. So 
so what what was your family situation like? I was the uh, well, I have a brother, and I was the oldest of the two of us. Oh, okay. So, so that, 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 like, that theory does not fly. There goes that theory. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, that was it. Um, I I was the oldest, and I was a real. I mean, I don't I don't get it because I think on on one hand you might have seen me as a kid, and I wasn't like the loud, boisterous class clown, nothing like that. It was right. pretty quiet actually, okay. and. I observed a lot. I would ask a lot of questions, so I was very inquisitive. Um, and that, but something was drawing me to to that. And I do think it was that sort of fun, creative side. And then um, also learning. You know, when you're covering the news, you also become um, you know very informed about right. the world and and all of that. So it's just an amazing experience for me. Yeah. Okay. So there's one big story. Yeah. That, that, you know, I bet like not a lot of people know because so now this has got to be interesting because then in, in storytelling terms. So once upon a time, there's a girl named Lynn. She wrote a letter to a, uh, a TV station and then yada, yada, yada. She got a job as a TV anchor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Period. Dot, dot, dot. And then. <laughs> and then. And then. So, and then a similar thing happened. Okay. Again, like this is, you know, when I look at it, this is a real pattern for me. <laughs> right. No, so, for sure. Uh, so here's the is. thing. So we moved to the to the states. Um, my husband's job took us here, and um, at the time, I was pregnant with my fourth child. Wow. And uh, so I left. Um, I left my job in television as and a TV anchor. So that's as a you're, TV you're anchor. Definitely a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. But it is all a big deal. Along, I wanted to. I had always wanted to go to law school, but I had this thing going, a great career, so there was never really an opportunity for me to do that. Okay. When we moved to the States, there was a small window of opportunity for me to apply to law school. A, I didn't have a work visa. I was pregnant and wasn't really thinking about working anyway. Okay. Um, and B, there was a law school down the street. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Literally 20 minutes. It's the only law school in Rhode Island. Wow. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Isn't that and a little woo-woo convenient? Isn't that just so convenient? <laughs> right. And so wow. I said, I'm just going to apply. Why not? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like uh, there were all kinds of law schools in, in the Boston area, as you can imagine. But I, I thought. That would have been on drive. That, that would have been a drive, but I thought if it's meant to be, if I'm meant to go to law school, then I will get into this law school. And I just kind of left it at that, and I applied, and I got in. Wow. <laughs> and then I went to law school, and yeah. I absolutely loved it. But the weird thing is, as it got closer to graduation and everybody was saying, oh, or, you know, all these firms that they wanted to go to, I had no desire to go work in a big law firm. And that just has never been my thing. And I think the entrepreneur in me was starting to arise. Rise up. Right. Right. Yes, yes. It was like, okay, what do I really want to do? And mm. that's when somebody said to me, you know, you just have to find a different way to be a lawyer. And then the oh, whole yeah. coach thing happened. And then it was the whole, you know, I was veering because of the, you know, what kind of a lawyer 
wants to go be a life coach, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is funny because my, uh, I just talked to another, uh, my last guest that I recorded, she hasn't been on the show yet. Her name's Caroline Green and she calls herself a recovering lawyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I've heard that. I've heard that term. I don't right. know that I'm recovering. I think You're that still I okay did, with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I love being a lawyer. Right. I don't I okay. don't think I was ever tainted by ah, like, right. Well, I've the heard. thing is is she did the grind in the in the law firm. Yeah. That's what she's recovering from. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I've heard so many lawyers right. say that and I thought that So somehow you dodged it. that bullet. No, I, I mean, I loved law school and just what I had to, what I learned and how I learned to think and all that. And, you know, because I wasn't just a coming right out of college, going into law school, my experience was entirely different, I think. And yeah. that's why I really, really enjoyed it. I earned my way into law school and really had thought about that's what I wanted to do, but realized that I didn't want to come out of law school and do the typical thing, which I tend to not do in my life. And so I, you know, I, so I became a life coach. <laughs> wow. A so, life coach lawyer. Um, now, now I, I just, let's get it down into the weeds a little. Okay. So how did the, um, you when when you graduate, you already decided right away that you don't want to go out and work for a law firm, but you are a lawyer, right? So did you did you set up the cover your assets online first, or no. did you do the life? Oh, so you did the life coach thing first? Okay, so actually, okay. all right, so I did some lawyering first. Okay. Um, I knew I, I knew what I didn't want, right? And that's often what we No, that's good. Yeah. And right? We we don't always know what we want, but, but we you know are, what you're we always don't. have more clarity about what you don't want. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I knew I didn't yeah, I didn't want to and I didn't apply at all to any of the big cool law firms that everyone was wanting to be part of. And um Friends of mine that were lawyers had started their own firm, and I did some work for them. I did contract work for them. I did that for two uh, at two different points, two different law firms, and I really liked it because I was on my own taking cases for them that um, I wanted to on my schedule. And remember, I had four children, so I wasn't ready to give up everything so that I could, you know, work in the legal field. So right, I um. So I did do that for a while, and as I was kind of going through life coaching, life coach training, which I was just doing on the side, and it was it was just very personal. It it wasn't even that I was intending to become a coach necessarily, but it was okay. for my own personal growth and development. I understand. Um, but at one point, those two things kind of converged, and it was like, well, what am I going to do as a lawyer, and how can I? Is there a way to even incorporate coaching and being a lawyer and being my own boss and how can I do this? And I, you know, I went through uh, maybe two years of learning everything about being online, being a coach, what was legally um, uh, like where there was a hole in in the legal world where entrepreneurs online were kind of lost. There was there's no such thing technically as internet law like there it's kind of been put together with all the other um areas of law such as trademark copyright contract all the stuff that makes up intellectual property which 
you know, came about with the internet. So I, I noticed there was a hole there and I thought, I, I can really fill that hole, work for myself, serve online entrepreneurs like me. I had by that point learned how to run a business online and, mm. and that's when I started Cover Your Assets Online and created the product and also was coaching um, online entrepreneurs on starting their own business. So wow. it kind of all came together. And honestly, I thought it never would. I just, I could never have envisioned it. <laughs> yeah. When, when just, you think about it, it doesn't yeah. really, th- those pegs don't seem like they're going to fit into one board, right? Absolutely right. I mean, I thought that uh, I, I was like searching for something that didn't even exist. And I think in a way, it didn't exist. It's something that I've kind of made up. <laughs> right. No, it's very, it's very much a creative uh, endeavor. Yes, it has been. And that's what's so exciting about it. And what I realized is that I couldn't, like the three really do fit together. I had to learn to be a coach, an effective coach. Um, and yeah. that allowed me then to become a business coach, which then allowed me to bring in the lawyer or the legal aspect of everything. So... I don't know exactly how I engineered it, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, it is a little woo-woo because it seems like that emotional radar system that we have is is really good, like you said before, at telling us no. You know, no, 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 no. Not that, <laughs> right? That That is like comes in super clear. It's like, you know, you, you never like even need to wonder. I mean, we often like deny that when we get that sort of like intuitive gut feeling of, no, this isn't a good idea. And we just go, damn it, I'm going to persevere to our detriment. (laughs) Yeah. Right. right. But it's the yeses that are a little bit harder, you know? So I I know exactly what you mean. It's like you're, you have to sort of like, uh, uh, it's a little bit tricky, you know, to find a yes that you really, you know, keep moving towards. Right. And, and you were doing it like three times. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And it's, and it's like you want to do it, but the voice in your head is saying, are you sure that sounds weird? What are people going to say? I don't think mm. that's going to work. All those things that are going on in your mind. And somewhere there's a, a stronger voice that says, just keep going. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And I think that was that's keeps me going often. It's like when I get stuck, if I trust that I can figure it out. A lot of my clients will say, you know, I don't think I can do this. I'm not smart enough. And I, I'm like, you just have to be smart enough to be able to figure it out. And then right. they're like, oh, I can do that. Right. So, so yeah, we just have to be able, and we can figure it out because we're not that 11-year-old little girl anymore, right? Right, we're, right. We're adults now. We can figure stuff out. I figured out how to get on TV, how to get into law school, how to become an entrepreneur. And and I think that that's, you know, that's sort of been my mantra. I can figure it out. My uh, m- my commander when I was in the Air Force um, complimented me one day. And I- I'm going to tell it in story mode just because I, I like the story. <laughs> So this other uh, woman, she was a, a supply troopy, um, you know, and I think we are about the same rank anyway. So we're peers, right? And she just comes up to me and says, hey, there's this thing I've never done before and I don't know how to do it. Can you help me? And I'm like, oh, I've never done that. But yes, 
you know, and uh, and over the course of about five minutes, I said, okay, you know, who on the base is the person who would who you would ask what's going on with this? Oh, I know her. Blah blah. blah. Oh, do you know her number? No. Well, let's look it up. Okay, so we go and we look it up. And we call her, and then I ask her the question, and then, and then I hand her the phone, and she goes, blah, 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 and it's done, right? And so uh, <laughs> right. I figured that shit out, right? And it wasn't that hard, right? And yeah. my boss comes out and says, that was pretty awesome. And I go, what, Leanne? And he's like, no, you just, you just uh, demonstrated one of my favorite skills. I'm like, what's that? He's like, FSO. I'm like, FSO? Yeah. Figure shit out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's like the only real skill that you need. And the other little bit of a story is is whenever you're outside of a situation, you don't have any sort of levers or you're you're not engaged. So it looks like all unknowns and you don't understand anything. But when you get in there and start working on stuff, then you can start figuring shit out. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. That's such a good story, Jeff, because it's absolutely true. And I think it separates um, our adult mind from what I call our child mind. Because I think we are of two minds. We have a child mind and we have an adult mind. And we have to consciously put our adult mind in charge of our adult life. Because a child has no business running an adult life. And sometimes right. we, we just, you know, allow that default setting of the way we learn to think as a child to kind of run our adult lives. And that's where, you know, when we can remember, wait, I'm an adult now, I can, I've, I can figure this out. And it's very powerful. Oh, yeah. Like I learned how to be a weather, a news weather lady in a week. Exactly. <laughs> in a week. <laughs> in a week. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. let's let's drill down and, and get because now we have the facts of the case, as they say in, in trial, right? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> right. So you were a little girl, you uh you eventually well, I like the eleven year old story, that was the best. So you go and you become a TV reporter. And how long were you a TV reporter? Ten years. Ten years. Yep. And you start off as on weather. And and where did you move from weather? Sports. You were sports. <laughs> I did sports. Okay, so I did, I did. So I started doing weekend weather, and right. as I'm doing weekend weather, you know, I'm backing up a bit. Remember, I was yeah. I, I got lost with the radio tape and ended up at the TV station. Right. I eventually found my way to the radio station, and I got that job. So I worked Monday to Friday at a radio station. Saturday, Sunday at the TV station, and eventually at the TV station, I got promoted to weekend sports, which was so fun, and I learned a whole other... You learned the whole world of sports. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty athletic as a kid and involved, so sports was really interesting to me, and so it wasn't completely out of left field. Um, And then eventually I got a full-time job working for a television station in Toronto, and um, left radio behind, but I think that's why I love podcasting so much because I loved radio. It was so fun. I do. I think they're completely different media, but, uh, if I had to choose between the two, I think audio is more my style. 
Yeah, because you, you, I don't know, but I'm guessing you have your PJs on. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and, you know, I, I played with video and you need such much, uh, uh, higher end gear and you do. I mean, you have to look really good. Yeah. You know, and who wants to do that? <laughs> We're supposed to be, you know, stay-at-home workers. That's part of the uh, the gig of uh, doing any sort of activity online. Is I I want to include the pajama clause in my contract. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very good. I'll write that clause for you. I'll make it airtight. <laughs> Thank you. So okay. So I want to know when you were doing your TV ladder climbing. Were you ever one of those persons that got dispatched with a cameraman in a in a in a truck to cover like a uh, fire or some yes. sort of yeah? So oh yeah, talk, walk us through one of those. What was that like? Was it really <laughs> stressful and crazy? Um, well, there were times when it was. Um, and again, you know, it's funny. I knew the stories I didn't like. And eventually found the stories that I did like. Um, but yes, I mean, I covered fires. I covered murders. I co- I was in court covering some really crazy, crazy stuff. And, um, and I would get caught up in it, you know, emotionally. I hadn't really learned how to sort of detach and sort of be the observer of what was happening. I would throw myself right in there, mm. which is what made me really good at the um, human stories, the stories about people who had overcome situations or those kind of stories, those human interest stories that quote unquote real reporters never want to do because that's not real news. Well, I was really good at those because I could connect with those people. And eventually I ended up doing some uh, sort of reporting that was like for a week long, we could call it investigation stuff, but it was, um, it was really rewarding work, and I won a couple of awards covering those human interest stories, if you can believe it. And it was That's it neat. was very it was really it was wonderful. And so I think that woo woo part of me was um, was there, and I was aware of it, but barely. I just knew that that's what I what I didn't want and then what I did want. And right. so those stories always resonated with me. Yeah, I just do you know who Alex Bloomberg is? I know that name. He is. Uh, uh, he used to be a producer on This American Life on NPR. Oh yes, okay. And now he runs this uh, company called Gimlet Studios, I think. So he he's transitioned to make money uh, doing podcasting. But I took a class with him, and uh, well, not with him personally, but he did a creative live class. That's where they just record him talking for like a week or a day or I don't know how long it lasts, but it comes out to be a whole video, uh, hours and hours of video that you get to listen to slash watch. And, uh, and it was so amazing to the, to get into the, the art and the power of storytelling. And you got a little bit of that, you know, where I was like, uh, saying like, um, once upon a time, there was Lynn. And then, right, there's all these little elements right. about telling a story that I was totally clueless about that I'm trying to integrate into my show now. So maybe you can share 
like some of some of what was some of the story behind the story of some of those human interest things and where those woo woo factors came in where where you know where they just like really honest emotional things going on one of the stories and this is one that i actually unexpectedly won an award for it was a four part series and i called it about face and uh, there was a hospital in Toronto called the Hospital for Sick Children. And there's a doctor there whose specialty was to help children who had facial deformities. So, um, and it, it was, I can't remember now how I sort of chose that, but I know I was so drawn to it. And there were, there weren't just children, there were a couple of adults that I talked to um, throughout this series. Um, but it was all about, you know, what it means to have a face that is relatively normal versus a face that is not, you know. Right, and, right, and, right. You know and, when, and I say that, of course, with, with um, a, you know, a normal face. We, we know what that means. Like yeah, your eyes right. and your nose and your mouth are exactly where they're supposed to be. Right. And so I did these stories of people, one woman um, who had some had gone through so many surgeries and yet had used her struggle and had gone on to do some incredible things with her life and started this whole community and support group for people who had facial deformities and had to, um, you know, in, in various degrees, had to manage their lives because nothing was ever going to be completely normal. That story... And those, that series of stories, there were children who had um, serious cleft palates and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And those stories really moved me. And, you know, my fellow reporters would always say to me, you just have to get a tough, you have to toughen up. You need a thicker skin. And I, I just, I never believed that. And so those stories moved me. And I think that that came through in my reporting. And um, oh, I was just so grateful honored to have had the opportunity to to meet with the doctors to talk to the people who uh, were patients and the parents of these children who I mean it, it was just incredible and, and to does. this day it sounds like you know there's a struggle there right <laughs> and you know and you know without being judgy you know there there isn't a way you know I mean you you want to look as like you said normal as possible right with that so yeah that i can see all kinds of fascinating interesting angles with uh with storytelling in that situation so yeah you know that that whole thing about ambulance chasing and 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 uh you know if it bleeds it leads that's the the wrong kind of news anyway right i i like you know the the formula that alex or uh, uses is this is a story about X and it's interesting because of Y <laughs> and you've got a lot of Y's in that in that story. Yeah, there's the, the there's the underlying message of you know what it what it means to go through a struggle to overcome that struggle. Right. The residual right. you know the residual struggle because it doesn't it doesn't go away. Oh, no. 
Right, but that you can come through something like that and and truly be stronger and bigger and have a bigger purpose. Um, I just, you know, I I just love that. These days I call that an AFCO, another freaking growth opportunity. So (laughs) it's like it doesn't matter what it is and why we're here. We all have those AFCOs. And if if we ignore them because the universe, like, sends them to bonk us over the head and and we do ignore them i think you you call them a tap on the shoulder or yeah 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 one of those taps from the universe a tap from the universe and if and if we don't pay attention eventually it really whacks us over the head right uh, we either learn the lesson or we don't they start as a tap and they get increasingly more forceful until they're two by four across the face you're you're bawling on the bathroom floor saying what am i supposed yeah. to do yeah yeah well, one of so it, say say the thing again it was a, a, another freaking growth opportunity afgo okay afgo i love that <laughs> another yeah. freaking growth, growth opportunity, opportunity. afgo i'm going to i'm going to put that in the data bank um but yeah uh you know they come they come up all, all sorts of talk. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of your AFCOs because I'm, I'm sure you've had plenty. And let's talk about one that maybe was a two by four to the face. <laughs> well, maybe I one think, that you ignored okay. for a so, while. Yeah. I think probably my first really big two by four to the face <laughs> was uh, <laughs> and one that sent me reeling to my knees was when my first marriage didn't last. And mm. I, um, and so I went through a divorce and, oh, I mean, I just Talk remember, I can remember thinking, I can't imagine being on the other side of this and 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 realizing I had to go through it and not really understanding anything about AFCOs then. But I came upon a book by Harriet Lerner, The Dance of Anger okay. and The Dance of Intimacy. Those Those two books I remember reading as I was going through that. And I thought, oh, this is this is supposed to be teaching me something about me that, yes, I was going through a divorce, but... It was more than that. It was bigger than that. I was supposed to learn something big from that. And and I did. <laughs> I mean, I got a lot out of that divorce, I'll tell you. Right. <laughs> and it was um it, and so that was that was big. And I think that's where um I, you know, I got back up and I got back up first to my, you know, I was just barely standing, and then I was standing nice and tall, shoulders back, head up, and and learned from, I don't even call them mistakes, Jeff. I mean, I learned from the experience. I, I don't think there were any mistakes in that. And no. it had to happen, and there were wonderful things that came out of it. But the best thing, I think, is that um, what I learned about myself. And that was incredibly um, worth it. So were there, were there sort of like hints before the two-by-four? Um. Like little gentle taps you were ignoring? You were like, meh. meh. Oh, I, I think, um, so I I decided after two years that I needed to um, be out of the marriage, that it wasn't going to. It wasn't um, going to work. Ser- it wasn't going to work and it wasn't going to serve me to stay. Although, you know, who knows? Maybe if I stayed, it would have been worked out a different way. But 
one way or the other, I was determined not to settle for the status quo. And so I, I probably had taps, but it didn't take, like, I, I didn't want to stay and stay and stay and wait for something to happen that would be, that would make everything all right. I needed to make it all right. And so mm-hmm. I, I was the one who decided this is what I need to do to make it right for me right now, because there's no guarantee anything's going to happen. That's going to fix it. So, um, I, I mean, I think I, there were probably a few taps, but I, I don't even know that it had to be uh, a slug across the head. (laughs) Maybe you listened to one of the taps. I I think I listened to the taps, but ultimately, you know, it's, it hurts. It It is, it it is. It's, it's really rough. Um, because that, that whenever you talk about ending a relationship like that, you are, you are like reordering your entire life. So it's not, it's not, I mean, even if you know you have to do it, it's still, it's just like such a gigantic pill to swallow. Exactly. So there was no doubt in my mind that I had to do it. It doesn't Um, make it easier. It didn't make it easier. (laughs) No, it did not. So. No, but no, anyway. I get it. No, but you survived, and anything you survive Absolutely. makes you stronger. So, are you still working on your Lynn Elioff dot com, your coaching site? Yes. Okay. So that, Talk that's a little bit about that. That's more about the coaching, and um, I do some personal coaching as well as business coaching because, like I always say, starting a business is an afco of epic proportions, right? So yeah. you start a business online, and that's what where all that stuff comes out, all your all your insecurities, the self-doubt, everything. So as a business coach, I also coach people through that um, because, right. you know, I'm sure you understand too. It's like, oh, this is such a great idea. Why did I decide to do this? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the so the com is really about coaching, self-coaching, personal coaching, business coaching, and then the coveryourassetsonline.com is just all the legal stuff. That's like the practical stuff you need to do to protect your business. Yeah, and I saw uh, a, a really good example uh, somewhere in your stuff. I don't know if it was your one sheet, one sheet or your site, but you talked about an example of you get an email from somebody saying you've used a, a copyrighted image on your website and, and you should give it, you need to give us $5,000 right now or else we're going to sue you for a million or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially how it comes out, you know, yeah. and that actually didn't happen to me, but yeah. a friend of mine emailed me that, that, that she forwarded the email to me, you know, saying, ah, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but I spent like a couple hours researching and I figured out that it was a scam, but still we had, you know, she probably freaked out about it for like a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's scary. First of all, sometimes it's a scam, but not always. Like there are, there are online entrepreneurs who think that, Oh, if it's on Google, then I'm free to use it. Is if we're just talking about images and that is so there, there are copyright, um, trademark considerations that people don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And that's why I felt like if I created this, toolkit I could put everything in there that they need to know and then they can then they can take action from there um so with regards to something 
something like those images. I've heard those stories all, like everywhere. I hear them all the time. Or I have someone like you telling me that they know somebody that it happened to. Right. So there is a way to handle that. But a lot of people were just paying. I know, I know, um, right? And not yes. Doing any, yeah. So, so that's so that's uh, and yeah, you that's know, and I get it too. I understand why they paid. Yeah. Too, because they're like, I don't want to deal with this. It's not that much money. I'm just gonna pay them, and I'm like, that's extortion. <laughs> well, not only that is like, how do you know that that's just not somebody saying, "Hey, I saw you use that image, and you're not supposed to, so pay me some money," and they aren't the rightful owner of the image either. Right. Right. No, totally. And yeah, and that's so- that's when I learned like there's there's telltale signs of scam, and then yep. there's and then there's like. Like you said, they might be legit. But if they're legit, oh. that you can tell. Like, yeah, I you think. can tell yeah, or at yeah. least you can investigate and find right. out. I mean, right, that's... exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been a blast. Uh, wait a minute. Did we, did we leave anything out? Do we have to hit anything? Do we need to say your URL again? <laughs> Coveryourassets.com. Yeah. Coveryourassetsonline.com. Right? Did I get it right? There you go. And then yep. the coaching site is Lynn Elioff. And, and I got the name right, I think. Elioff. You did. Yay. <laughs> you I, I, I kept thinking Elioff like for the last week or so. So Elioff. And uh, that's where you can find out more about the coaching stuff, the business slash personal coaching. So this has been a blast. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're finally able to lock this down. <laughs> Time zones be damned. Jeff, you are so fun to talk to. You <laughs> ask such great questions and you really got me thinking about, you know, that that letter when I was 11. I hadn't thought about that for a while. So this was fun. Thank you. Well, I'm glad. I had a blast too. I'm glad we we're finally able to nail it down. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You Thank have a good you. one. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.